discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you very much. Please, can you be seated? <laughs> to God be all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're excited. Yeah. Today is our last day. And uh, we know that all that God has for you will be un unleashed on you. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor it's good to see you. Bishop, we thank God for your life. God bless you so much. We love you and we appreciate you. Thank you for the ministry and for inviting, welcoming and inviting us to be part of what God is doing. God bless you so much. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Your name be exalted. Wonderful Father, thank you for the privilege to be at your feet. That the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, should unveil unto us the truth of the Scripture concerning your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened. Thank you for the entrance of your words, the opening of your words is bringing light. We thank you. We bless you. We hallow your most holy name. We are grateful. Thank you for utterance. Thank you, blessed Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So, tonight, I'm speaking on Christ, our righteousness. Wow. Hallelujah. Christ, our righteousness. Hallelujah. Yeah. But from another angle and perspective. So we are going to Leviticus chapter 1. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through the patience and the comforts of the scriptures might have hope. In Romans 15 verse 4. And remember that when Jesus rose from the dead on the road to Miles with Cleopas and the other person, the Bible says, Jesus, can you imagine that? Jerusalem to Miles was seven miles. So the Lord was just, they were just walking and the Lord drew close to them. And uh, 
it was a very nice journey because they, they had to walk seven miles with Jesus. And in that journey, Jesus began to preach to them. And Christ was preaching Christ to them. Can you imagine? Yeah. So Luke 24, 27, and beginning at Moses, and in the prophet, and in all the scriptures, he expounded in them the things concerning himself. And so Christ, Jesus himself began to preach Christ. In Luke 20, yeah, he began to preach Christ. And the Bible says he began at Moses. Not the person of Moses, but the books of Moses. Yeah. So he began to say, all right. Jesus now began to say that, look, I am the bent offering. Look, the sin offering is all, was all about me. The grain offering was all about me. He began to unveil all of these things we read and uh, it's like we don't understand. Jesus said, it's about me. He revealed himself beginning at Moses. Hallelujah. So the scripture is about him. Jesus himself said, search ye the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they that testify of me. So the, and he was referring to the Old Testament. The scripture is a testimony of Jesus. They are they that testify about me. Hallelujah. But you see, sometimes when um, there are people I know that they love to read Psalms, then they have to read Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John. But uh, you'll agree with me that even in the Old Testament, you love Genesis. And you love some part of Exodus. But when they get to Leviticus, ah, what is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you can't wait to, skip, to, to finish. To, to, it's so boring. And numbers too seem so boring. And uh, yeah. You just want to quickly get to Joshua because Joshua seems better because of the stories. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want to lay some foundations for you so that when you read Leviticus and all these books, you have some appreciation for them. Otherwise, you'll be missing something great. All of this is like a, a photo album of Christ. Yeah, I'll give you an album. Oh, watch my pictures. These days, albums are not common. But those days, you come to someone, you go to someone's house. The first, the second thing, after water, after serving with water, the second thing was an album. But these days, there are no albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are in the postmodern world. <laughs> we have enough st statues and statues. So we can watch my statues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all of these pictures hidden in the old, it's so wonderful. Ah, the revelation of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelation of Christ. Okay. Now, Leviticus chapter 1. Let's read verse 1. And you know, in, in the English Bible, you see, you, you, we have Genesis, we have Exodus, we have Leviticus, Numbers. Deuteronomy, uh, but in, in the original Hebrew, it's not like that. When you pick a Hebrew Bible, the first book is called Beginning. The second book is called Names. The third book is called, the title is And He Called. That's Leviticus. The fourth book is called Wanderings. That's the title. The fifth book is called Words. Deuteronomy. 
Aha, that, that's the original Hebrew. So Leviticus, in Latin, Leviticus actually means that which pertained to the Levites. But in the Hebrew, Leviticus actually means, and he called. Praise God. And that is actually seen in the, in the first, first verse that says that, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, please are you here? Prior to the tabernacle of Moses, God first spoke to Moses from Mount Sinai, from the top of the mount, mountain. Now God spoke to him twice from the top of the mountain. When he fasted for 40 days, God spoke to him. But now he speak, spoke to him from the tabernacle, two different places. When he spoke to him from the mountain, it was from his judicial position. But now the tabernacle has been set forth and the glory of God had come, had come on the tabernacle. God had glorified it. After that, God began to speak to Moses from the tabernacle. You know where he spoke to him from? From the mercy seat, the place of the cherubim. He spoke to him from it. That means from Leviticus, God began to speak to Moses from the position of mercy and grace. Hallelujah. From the place of the mercy seat, he began to speak to him. Now everything God began to speak to Moses was concerning Christ. About his son Jesus. It's amazing about Jesus. Hallelujah. So please walk with me through Leviticus 1. I prepare to walk. Tell your neighbor I will never sleep. In the name of Jesus. Now and forevermore. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Verse 2. And this is what God said. Speak unto the children of children of Israel and say unto them, If any man bring if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord. If any man of you shall bring. Now the word bring is the Hebrew word karab. K-A-R-A-B. And karab means to draw nigh. To draw nigh. If any man of you, karab, K-A-R-A-B, to draw nigh, or to draw close. So he's given an instruction. If any man of you bring an offering, the word offering is koban. Koban. And Koban means in the Hebrew, drawing nigh. So you know how you can read this in the Hebrew? In the Hebrew it says, If any man, any man of you draw nigh with a drawing nigh offering. You know, it's a play of words. If any man of you draw nigh with a drawing nigh offering. Now, understand that man had fallen. And man cannot just appear before God. Except by a bleeding sacrifice. Because man is a sinner. He's, he belongs to a different realm. God is holy. A man cannot just be accepted in God's presence except by means of a sacrifice. Because man had fallen. His eyes cannot see sin. So, except by sacrifice. Because God is just. 
So now God now tells man the means of his approach before God. But all of these things are symbolic. They are symbolic. If any man of you draw nigh with a drawing nigh offering unto the Lord, then God gives the specifications. You shall bring your offering of cattle, even of the head and of the flock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God chose the cattle. The cattle, even of the head and of the flock. Now, before you end um, the book of uh, chapter, the first chapter of Leviticus 1, he, he also speaks of the birds. So the offering was in three categories. Now, you can bring an offering to God either of the head, of the flock, or of the birds. Hallelujah. So God gave a choice, yet within a certain prescription. So you can either either give, please, we are not here, go back to verse 2. Yeah, thank you very much. The cattle, the head, and of the flock. Hallelujah. You realize that all of these are domesticated animals. Now God didn't say, if you want to bring me an offering, bring a wolf, a tiger, henia, um, um, <laughs> Crocodile, bear. Of all animals, God, God didn't mention these wild animals. The animals God chose as offering were domesticated animals. You know why? Because animals that can be domesticated are family friends. We can play with them. We can be with them. They are not. They are not harmful. They are not hurtful. All of these represented who Jesus is. Jesus is not wild. He's not savageous. He's not carnivorous. Jesus is a family friend. Hallelujah. Yeah, so even God's choice tells us who the Son of God is. Because all of these points to Jesus, who he is. So Jesus is domesticated. Jesus is a family friend. He came, he was submissive and subjected not only to the Father, but also to man. Remember, even his own parents, the Bible says he was submissive and subjected to his parents, to Joseph and Mary. And Jesus, if he was so ordinary that his disciples didn't even believe he was God. Not his disciples, his brothers, Mary's children, didn't believe Jesus was God. He was so human, they didn't even believe he was God. Because with the way he's eating, how can this one be God? <laughs> how can he be God? Uh -huh. So, Jesus was domesticated. He was like a, he was a family man. Uh -huh. He was a family man. I like it when the Bible speaks in Ephesians 2 verse 19 that the church is the household of God. The Greek says we are the, not, the Greek says the domestics of God. The church, we are, we are God's family members, domestics. So Jesus is a family man. Hallelujah. He is reachable. He is touchable. He is approachable. But now some pastors are not even approachable. Some pastors are not even reachable. How can you be the shepherd of your flock and your flock cannot reach you? Then you are not a shepherd. They are not touchable. They are not approachable. They are not reachable. 
So your pastor is a general, he's not a shepherd. <laughs> but if God is calling you to pastor, you must be there for your people. You must be like Bishop Oti. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus is his family friend. Let's be like Jesus. Be a family. Don't run away from your family. <laughs> be a family man. Be there for everyone. Be simple. Be simple. Hallelujah. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, don't make yourself some way. As if you just dropped from heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, best three. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the head. All right. So, my assignment to you this very evening is to show you that Christ is our burnt offering. Christ is our burnt offering. So he says, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice. Now, the word burnt sacrifice, the Hebrew says ascending offering. It is called the ascending offering. And I'll show you why. Ascending offering. Now, there are five major offerings in the Bible. But the burnt offering is the most important of all the offerings and the major offering. So there are five. You must not forget it. All these five points to Jesus Christ. One work on the cross, there was nothing on earth that could. Can you imagine that five offerings were needed to describe one work on the cross? Yeah, in different aspects. Apart from the grain offering that speaks of his human life. But there are five offerings. The first one is the burnt offering. Now the burnt offering is actually Christ our righteousness. But in specific sense, the burnt offering unveils the beauty, the perfections, the excellencies of Christ. As a burnt offering, the burnt offering is a revelation of the beauties of Christ, his excellencies, his perfections, his devotions, his obedience, and all that. That's a burnt offering. Yeah. The second is, is called the grain offering or the male offering. Aha. That reveals the perfection of his human living, his human life. Now, it was made of grain, fine flour. So Moses had to use fine flour for that kind of offering. Yeah. And the flour in the Bible describes humanity. Hum, hum, flies humanity, but Jesus was fine for that. Fine. His humanity was not coarse. It was not uneven. It was fine. I mean, the man was fresh. Fresh, fresh. fresh. If you see him, like, you see, Jesus is the man, he can be bold, but not proud. Do you know that sometimes you cannot tell whether the person is bold or proud? So there are some people who are proud, but we interpret that as boldness. And there are some who are bold, we interpret it as what? Pride. And there are some people who are timid, but we think they are humble. 
<laughs> yeah, when I was growing up, I had a lot of inferiority complex. People said I was humble, but I knew I was humble. <laughs> I knew they were misinterpreting inferiority as humility. Like when you put your hands, oh, oh. I feel like I didn't deserve it. No, because humility is from the spirit. Obviously, there is a kind of a domesticated humility where you are taught humility when growing up. But that humility cannot withstand a lot of pressures in this world. The humility must be born of the spirit. <laughs> So when I was young, my grandmother told me that if I greet everyone I meet on the street, I'll make it to heaven. <laughs> so I was greeting everybody, including those I was older than. So on a good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, everybody, because I wanted to make it to heaven. <laughs> wow. When I grew up, I, I myself led her to Christ. I realized that she didn't know what was talking about. <laughs> hmm. So that's that's Jesus. That's Jesus. He's both steel and velvet. It, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Then the next offering. So there's the burnt offering, which is the first. There's a green offering, which is the second. Then there's a peace offering, which is Christ our peace. Which is the third offering, Christ our peace. Then a fourth offering is the trespass offering, or the guilt offering. The guilt offering speaks of Christ dying for our sins, which we have committed. The last offering is the sin offering which is Christ dying for our sin, singular, the sinful nature. You see, the old man, he died for our sin, the nature of sin. As a trespass offering, he died, he died for the action, our actions of sin. But we're born in sin, so we have the nature of sin. And as a sin offering, he died for our sin. Praise God. So you realize that now, God puts the burnt offering first and the sin offering last. But when it comes to human experience, in dealing with God, we always present a sin offering first. Because whenever we come to God, we are conscious of our sin. And we admit first that we are sinners before we are saved. So in human experience, we always present the sin offering first. Because we, we know we are sinners. But in, in order of priority, God puts the beauty of his son first, the burnt offering. It matters to him than any other thing. So he put the beauty of his son first. But it's so amazing that God also put, burnt offering speaks of his death, but the grain offering, which is the second offering in chapter two, speaks of his life, his human life. But amazingly, God put his death before his life. So if it was a human being writing the Bible, like you put the grain offering before the burnt offering because he lived before he died. But God put his death before his life. Because without his death, you can't even appreciate his life. Because if you only had his life without his death, you will only appreciate his life and never be able to receive his life. Through his death, we can receive his life. Now, if Jesus lived without dying, we would all have been condemned. That one would have been dangerous. It means that one man has been able to make it. That means all are guilty. It will even worsen our case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I said, this is, a, this is an examination hall. 
and everybody feel by one person. You you were all under this the same privilege. One person, which is Pastor Mike, <laughs> passes the exam. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So if he made it, it means you are guilty. Yeah. So Jesus, if he had not died, would all have been condemned. But through his death, we have been saved and justified. Praise God. So the burnt offering is the first, is the ascending offering. That's so different. That's so different. That's so different. So he says, if his offering be a, a sacrifice, if the if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the head, let him offer a meal without blemish. Understand that all burnt offerings are meals. It must be male. The sin offering is female. <laughs> <laughs> Why are some people biased against ladies and female? <laughs> Your mother gave birth to you, remember? <laughs> All peace offerings are either male or female. It's amazing. But even with a sin offering, there are different regulations. When it is an, it is an individual sin offering, it's a female. But when it is a sin offering of the whole nation, it is a male. <laughs> so, <laughs> hallelujah. The bent offering must be male. Now, in the, why male and why female? Why is the sin offering female and the bent offering male? It's a principle. In the Bible, male speaks of that which is Godward. Female speaks of that which is manward. The male principle speaks of that which serves God's purpose. The female principle is that which is manward, that which serves man's need. In other sense, in other places, male speaks of objective fact. Female speaks of subjective experience. So this one, the bent offering is male. You know why? <laughs> it's for the father's enjoyment. It's an ascending offering. It's all about the beauty of Jesus. It's for the father's satisfaction. The father just enjoys Jesus' obedience and devotion and his beauty and his excellence. It's for the father's enjoyment. Though we reap the benefit, but primarily it's for it's for the father. But sin offering is for you because you it's for you because you want your sin to be removed. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes male also speaks of strength and the magnitude of something. Uh-huh. So some people say that when Abraham was going to offer Isaac in Genesis 22, God told him not to kill Isaac, but he saw an ewe by the side of the bushes. It's not ewe. Ewe is female. The Bible says ram. Some people even say he saw an ewe. <laughs> have, you, have you seen that joke before? <laughs> Because it's the same spelling. But that is, someone made it up. 
her because the heel is female. And the burnt offering cannot be like that, cannot be that. Rather, the Bible says it was a ram, and ram is male. Uh-huh. Ram is male. Are you saying the burnt offering is not for God's enjoyment? <laughs> but a male without blemish. Can you imagine? I mean, it's very, very difficult to be in the, in the Old Testament. The details are very, they are too much. You know what, what without blemish means? Now, without blemish means it must be born without defect. God doesn't expect you to bring uh, an animal and the one leg is twisted. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Or one, one, one eye was born blind. That is what is called blemish. The word blemish has to do with birth. So it must be born without any kind of defect. Yeah. 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 That's why the Bible says when we are born again, uh-huh. we are born blameless. This is the same as without blemish. Our new birth is perfect before God. Blemish. Now, in those days, especially during the Passover, there were special shepherds who were shepherds who were assigned to the temple. And they had to raise special lambs for the Passover sacrifices. And the the offerings or the sacrifices, the animals that were used for sacrifices were not ordinary animals. They were special animals that were raised. And the shepherds, you know what they do? When the animal is born, like if a lamb is born, they will take swaddling cloth to cover all the legs of the animals that were born because those are going to be used for sacrifices. And if they don't cover the animal, it can, there can be lacerations or a kind of injury. Then the animal is disqualified for the offering. So they cover it with a swaddling cloth. Then they go and put it in the manger. In those days, the manger is where the shepherd examines to see whether the lamb is indeed without blemish before it qualifies for the sacrifice. So when Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 11 and 12, the angel said, this is a sign unto you. Quickly, verse 12. Now the angels announced to the shepherds, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. What was a sign? The swaddling cloth was a sign. The manger was a sign. So they went there, and they went to the manger. They saw the manger. They saw the swaddling cloth. What was it ministering to them? And it was a baby. And they had a duty to examine whether it it was without blemish. (laughs) Obviously, the baby who was born was a lamb of God. (laughs) That came to take away the sins of the world. (laughs) He was a lamb without blemish. It was a sign to them, just examine the the, the lamb, the baby lamb and see. But the good news is that the animals were without blemish, but Jesus was more. First Peter 1 verse 19. He was without spot and blemish. There can be no animal without spot. But for Jesus, Jesus alone, he was without spot. He was not spotted by sin. The spot of sin was not in him. His blood was pure. The Adamic nature wasn't in him. Hallelujah. 
He was impeccable. He was immaculate. The son of God. Without spot. He qualifies as the perfect offering. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, swaddling cloth in those days was also used to cover the dead. When someone died, they covered the person in swaddling cloth. Why do you cover a baby in a swaddling cloth? It means the baby was born to die. So his birth declared his death. Hallelujah. Back to Leviticus. A male would have blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. The word voluntary will was not properly translated in the King James. Ratza, Ratzon, actually, the, the, the Hebrew word says it shall be offered for his favorable acceptance. It's not voluntary will. It's the same word David used when he said, um, the Lord will encompass the righteous with, with favor as with a shield. It's a word for favor. Uh-huh. It's a word for naphtali, satisfied with favor. So what is happening, I'll demonstrate it shortly. The offering of the burnt sacrifice is for the offerer's favorable acceptance. I'll explain shortly. The door of the tabernacle of the congregation is when you enter the tabernacle, the first thing you the first thing at the door is the altar of sacrifice. The door of the tabernacle of the congregation is describing the altar of sacrifice, where the sacrifice happens, where the death happens. Verse 4. He shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. Praise God. Okay, I want someone who is smallish to come to be represent. I want someone to come. Now, I want three people to come. One short, one tall. <laughs> okay, so man of God, you are the offerer. You are the one who have sinned. Okay, so, okay, your brother is your offering. Okay, so I need someone to be the high priest. You resemble a bugger. So you. you <laughs> okay, oh, Ken, Ken. Uh-huh. Black. No, no, no. Black is Satan. <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> okay, so Pastor Ken will be the, the, the high priest. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, there's a difference between the sin offering and the bent offering. Now, let me illustrate the sin offering, then I will illustrate the bent offering. Hallelujah. Okay. So, this is the high priest, the temple. So, you want to send your sin offering. So, this is the sin offering. This is the, um, this is the, the animal. So, please <laughs> send it to the priest. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man of God. <laughs> man of God. You are the greatest of all time. 
Now, when he brings his sin offering before the priest, now the priest will have to examine whether it is without blemish. So please examine it whether it is without blemish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Then you stand before the priest and you're going to lay hands on your sin offering. So you lay hands on the sin offering. Your right hand on the head. Uh, this is the sin offering. When hands are laid on the sin offering, all your sins are now passed from you and they enter the animal. It is called identification. Identification. So there's an imputation of sins. Your sins are passed. And they enter the animal. Then the high priest is holding a knife. Then he gives you the knife. Please give him the knife. Give him the knife. The, the priest, the, I said the high priest, the priest doesn't kill the animal for you. He gives the knife to kill the animal. Yeah. But Jewish rabbis tell us that. They even tell you where to kill, how to kill the animals. They identify a certain vein around the neck of the animals. They are experts. And they give a very sharp knife and you just make an incision. And animals die painless. Even animals have to die painless. But Christ didn't die painless. Uh-huh. One reason is because if the animals die in pain, they release toxins and poisons to the animal. And some of the sacrifices are eaten. The piece of is eaten. So what you eat will be poisonous. Uh-huh. So he will show him, and you have to kill the animal. You know why? God wants you to know that it's your sons that put Jesus to death. <laughs> Some people think that, oh, Jesus is the Romans who killed him. <laughs> it's the Jews who killed him. That's very shallow. We put him to death. Your son killed him. So he wants you to feel the impact of the killing. So kill. Just, just kill. <laughs> okay. So, so die. Now you have to die. <laughs> now you know what has happened. All his sins are on him. Now he goes free. Now God doesn't see any sin on him again. And God cannot punish him because God has punished a victim in his place. Praise God. This is the sin offering. But I'm not talking about the sin offering. I'm talking about the burnt offering. So please come back again. Now, now you are going to be the burnt offering. <laughs> All right. So now you come to offer the burnt offering. So come, come to, to the priest. <laughs> All right. So now, then the priest will examine whether it is without blemish. Now, look at something. Look at something. The priest never examined him. Yeah, that's right. He examined his offering. Yeah. When you stand before God, he doesn't examine you. He examines your offering. <laughs> your acceptance is based on your offering. If Christ is without blame, it's based on your offering, not you. So God never told the priest to examine the offerer. 
No, it's the offering that is always examined. So, whenever you stand before God, it's not about you, <laughs> it's about your offering. <laughs> you have this consciousness. Oh my, you're very close to God. So, now you have to lay your hands. He shall put his hands on the head of the bent offering. Put your hands. Now, you know what happens? With a sin offering, all of his sins come here. But not, that's not the bent offering. With a bent offering, the blemishness, how do you say it in it? Blemishlessness. Aha. Blemishlessness of the bull, of the animal, its blemishlessness, its purity, its beauty, its perfections, its excellence, its righteousness. The moment you lay hands on it, it comes on you. So its worthiness, its blemish, blemishlessness comes on you. With a sin offering, your sin goes. With a burnt offering, its witness comes on you. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted. It's the same word for razon. It shall be for his favorable acceptance. So the moment you lay hands, you are accepted as... Your acceptance is, is its acceptance. The way this one is accepted is the way you are accepted. <laughs> that, that, that's big. That's huge. <laughs> that is why Christ, the way the Father accepted Christ today is the way he accepts you. <laughs> now your acceptance is a person, Christ. So it's, it's not a matter of, it's not you again, it's your offering. You are accepted as your offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. To make atonement for him. It shall be for his covering. Atonement. Atonement. Covering. Covering. Now everything is going to be your covering. It's for identification. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. You, you, you may come back again. Thank you. All right. You see, you didn't die. You 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 are not coming to die. Don't worry. <laughs> the next verse. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood run about the altar. That is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So it will be killed, and the blood will be taken. It is the altar. It is sprinkled run about. That's what I'm saying that the New Testament, I thank God I'm, I was born in the New Testament. <laughs> Sprinkle all the blood. <laughs> the altar. Now, the altar is a symbol, symbolizes God's claims. God's claims. That's the altar. Aha. It is called the altar of sacrifice. Okay. And now, the reason why the blood is sprinkled around about the altar means that the blood of Jesus satisfied all of God's claims of justice. All of God's claims of justice run about. What it means is that every demand of 
divine justice against the human race, against you, which you couldn't pay, whatever God demanded from you, according to his holiness and justice, the blood settled it. Yeah. Actually, the blood has, is, is for the payment of your debt. The blood is your ransom price. It has paid. Every requirement in God's own standard, what he required from you, for you to be fully accepted, which you couldn't pay, the blood has paid for you. Run about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the blood, the altar had four horns. Horns in the Bible stands for power and authority. It was four. And four stands for the earth. Four is the number of the earth. And the blood was poured on all. It also means that the blood does not only avail for the Jew. Its efficacies are eternal. It avails for the whole earth. Even for your unborn children. You are not yet married. But your children, after marriage, like when Pastor Michael marries, your children you give birth to. And their children, the blood has availed for all of them. Hallelujah. Yeah, don't worry. It's because he's about to marry, that's why. Just doing all these things. <laughs> you marry and we all rest in peace. Amen. Why? You know, I said rest in peace. I'm not saying you are going to die. <laughs> I told, you know, one day I mistakenly told someone, the person was going to sleep, I said, oh, rest in peace. I, 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 I wasn't mindful of the words. And the person said, oh, what are you telling me? <laughs> Then my mind came to it. Then I said, okay, you rest peacefully. <laughs> it's just words. <laughs> yeah, you rest peacefully. I said, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so tell, tell your neighbor, rest in... <laughs> Perfect peace, that means you will die without rest. <laughs> You die, you can't resurrect. <laughs> All right, verse 6. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The word flay means to skin. Can you imagine that? So, when the burnt offering now is killed, now, you know what is done? Now, the priest, he has now removed all the skin on the animal, remove everything. Skin all the animal, remove all the skin. Some, those who do those things are experts. Yeah. So you remove the skin from the animal. So you put the skin aside, and the animal, you cut it into pieces. Uh-huh. So the skin is separate. Hallelujah. Now, in chapter 7, the Bible says the skin is for the priest. Thank you very much. In the New Testament, we are his priest, royal priesthood. The skin is for us. For what? For our covering. For our covering. If the burnt offering is Christ, if the burnt offering, this offering is Christ, and it becomes our covering, then Christ is not our covering. He's not our righteousness. We're not clothed with Christ. Do you remember that when man sinned, he became naked? And uh, man, you know Adam's mistake? He quickly went to sow fig leaves to cover himself. The moment he was, I said it yesterday, he was naked. So he was afraid and he had to hide himself. Then he used fig leaves to cover himself. Now, when he saw he was ashamed and when fear came, 
And when he, he hid himself, <laughs> you know how he hid himself? Have you ever had a creditor chasing your life before? <laughs> creditor. I remember in those days, we'll be in the house, and my mother would, told, would tell me, Look, the woman is coming. We, we, we are owing her. If she comes, tell her I'm not in the house. <laughs> And me too, you know, I didn't want to lie. So I entered the room, she would knock and knock and knock, no one would go knock. <laughs> one day I met one of the creditors in, in, outside, and they asked me whether my mom is, 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 is inside. I said, go and check. <laughs> I said, I don't, I don't want to lie. You go and check. <laughs> but it was very unpleasant, because our lives were always hiding. Sometimes we we'll see them coming and we have to change our direction and go and pass a long road back to the same place. The way people run away from their creditors, that is how Adam ran away from God. When there is sin on your conscience, that's how you run away from God. Sin on your conscience is like debt on your conscience. You, you owe God, you owe God, you owe God. And it brings fear. Because I owe God, he, it means God will not protect me. He, I may have an accident. He, it, he'll, not, he'll not even bless me. He, it, you know, it brings a lot of fear because you are owing God. So Adam realized that and quickly he took fig leaves to cover his shame. Now he's trying to use wax. Now he wants to use wax to make it to heaven. As for fig leaves, fig leaf religion has to do with self-righteousness. Jesus walked the earth, there's only one thing he cursed. You know what he cursed? The fig tree. That's the only thing he cursed. Yeah. So Adam just covered himself. The, Greek, the Hebrew says he covered only a little part of him. Just his nakedness. But God was the first person to make a sacrifice. You know that. God killed some animals and skinned the animals, took the skin out and covered Adam and Eve. God was the first person. Now, these things we are talking about never began with Moses. The first person to offer burnt offering, we are told, is Noah. Genesis 8 verse 20. But Abel already offered an animal sacrifice. Where did he, he learn it from? From Adam. And where did Adam learn it from? From God. Aha. So all these things were there before the law was given. So God skinned the animal and covered Adam. It's a type of Christ, our righteousness. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees Christ because you are clothed with Christ. Christ is my righteousness. Today, we are covered with Christ. There's no need to hide again. That is why you don't have to allow some consciousness. Assuming that you are owing $100 million. You're owing this man $100 million. Okay. And this man is a billionaire. He says, okay. He meets him and settles it for him, for you. It's $100 million, but he actually gives him $100 billion. Uh-huh. It has been settled by the news. This guy has to bring the news to you. That has been settled. Do you know that how you receive the news will affect how you live? 
This guy comes to tell you that, oh, it's been settled, but it's $100,000. <laughs> you know how you live? You are free, but you're not free. You're not really settled. Uh-huh. There's still debt on your conscience. The problem is not that it has been settled. The problem is the bearers of the message. <laughs> the bearers of the message. Uh-huh. How it has been paid, how they convey the message is very important. Uh-huh. But if another messenger come, one among a thousand to show unto man his righteousness. <laughs> and he says, look, it was 100 billion. You know what will happen? When you see him, you, if you, you are even looking for him. You ask for a treat. Because by you, he's rich. Yeah. So you walk boldly. You walk boldly. Do you know that God has gained more in Christ than he would have gained if Adam had not fallen. Yes. In Christ, we have the 120%. We have restitution. Restoration with compensation. That is why in Romans 5, we have much more than, much more. Comparing Adam and Christ, much more, much more. In Christ, there is much more. What Christ paid for us is an overpayment for our sins. But don't go for the change. (laughs) But if you are not aware, you were told it was just $10 million, you still carry debt on your conscience. So that, you know what will happen? Now, assuming that you see him, okay, you see him, and you start hiding. When you see him come, you see you are still hiding. He's wondering why you are hiding. Do you know that it's an insult to this man? Who has paid everything, but you seem to be hiding. It means that you don't fully believe the payment. Yeah. Those who cannot approach God fully and are hiding, they don't know how much has been paid. That is why the Bible says in Hebrews 10 22, let us therefore draw nigh unto him in what in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled away from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, evil conscience, the chapter describes conscience. In fact, chapter one, chapter two, the same chapter, verse two, speaks of sin consciousness. Now, he calls sin consciousness evil conscience. Yeah, the man has paid by your saying, Hey, have sundo, have sundo, have sundo. Hey, will he accept me? He calls that evil conscience. And when there is sin consciousness or evil consciousness, you cannot have full assurance of faith. The only way to have full assurance of faith is when you know the debt has been paid. Then you can talk to with God as a friend. Listen, even Abraham in that old covenant, in, the, in, his, in his covenant, could tell God, shall, I, shall not the judge of all the year do right? <laughs> Abraham! <laughs> and that covenant was, 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 was tethered down in a yeah. bent offering. Yeah. Booze. He could have audacity because of the covenant. Shall not the judge of all the year do right? <laughs> Look at the boldness he had. How much more shall the blood of Christ? <laughs> How much more? How much more? You should be able to talk to God like a friend. Yeah. Abraham believed God. He was justified and he was called a friend of God. 
How about us? How about our justification? Talk to him. Talk to God. What, what, what can, in what conversation with God? Talk to him. Yeah. When you are worshiping and evil thought come to your head, what do you do? Oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. No, who is dead? Oh, forget about it and continue. You understand? God bless you. All right. The next verse. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. So he's been talking about how they should arrange the fire. Now they are on the altar. Hmm. The next verse. Now this is how to offer it. It's amazing. And the priest, Aaron's sons, shall lay the paths. So even how? Shall lay the paths. The head and the fat in order. Upon the wood. So, the head. Where's the fat? My pouch is a fat. That's a lot of money inside. <laughs> in order. So let's take this as a head and this as a fat. God wants it to be in order. Can you imagine? So you can't even offer it in your own way, anyhow. The head and the fat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the altar. Why, why should it be so? Now, say the head. So the head should conform to the fat. Now all of these have their meanings to us. Remember that the burnt offering is Christ. Hebrews 10 verse 5. Christ is the burnt offering. But the head represents his knowledge, his intelligence. You see, when it comes to Jesus, his head is a biblical symbolism of intelligence and knowledge. Jesus knew the will of God at every time. He was filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. At any time he designed the will of God, he knew what to do. That's Jesus. When he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, he, he knew what to do. He didn't say, hey, Rade. Hey, you know, he, he, didn't, he knew what to do. When, when he stood, um, the 5,000, you know, when there was no food, the Bible says he, he himself knew what to do. At every time, he knew the will of God. He knew it. When there was storms on the sea and they woke him up, he knew what to do. He, he always knew the will of God. Praise God. So the head was had, had to, be, to be put together in perfect line with the fat. What is the fat? Now, the Hebrew word for fat is the best, the richest, the choicest. When the Bible says you shall eat the fat of the land, it actually means actually means you eat the best of the land. The fat of the land is the best of the land. The fat, the riches of Christ. The riches of Christ. But listen, fat is bent to produce energy. Yeah. When fat is bent, energy is produced. Energy. So, do you know why God said it should be put in order? God is showing us something. Jesus, our Lord, knew the Father's will. He knew what to do, but he had 
the inward energy and ability to perform the will he knew. You see, he knew what to do. He knew the will of God. Yet, he had the inward energy to bring it to pass. Look, there are a lot of people who really know what to do. But how to perform it is a problem. They know they have to pray. They can even advise people to pray. But how to pray? The body getting out of the bed and becoming disciplined, that's a problem. There are people who, they know they don't have to gossip over. They can even advise, don't, don't, don't. But they themselves cannot help themselves. <laughs> they know they have to go for midweek service. <laughs> they can even advise someone to be committed to midweek services. But how? They know it, but how to perform it is a problem. So to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. I find in a law that when I will do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after my inward man. But I see another law, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. So many know what to do. They know what to do, but no energy, no strength. People pledge to give in a church. They don't do it. They don't give. <laughs> they are quick to come forward. So, oh, we'll give 10,000 Ghana. But that's the last time we'll see them. <laughs> uh-huh. So can you imagine? This is Jesus. He knew the Father's will. There are many people who know the will of God, but they cannot do it. Yeah. It is one thing to know God's will, another thing to do it. A certain man of God had my message, the relevant minister, relevance ministry. He called me. He called me and said, man of God, after listening to your message, I realize I'm not a pastor. I'm an, I'm an evangelist. God told me to close the church because the church is suffering because I'm an evangelist. No, you say God told you. If God told you, why don't you do it? Now it's a different from you being confused. But I said God told you. <laughs> now if you say God told you, then you shouldn't have said God told you. Don't commit yourself like that. Right. Uh, so if God told you, why are you not obeying? Then I don't think God told you. <laughs> the will of God. There are people who are in a relationship. God has shown them that it's a wrong relationship. But how to get out? <laughs> how to get out? <laughs> they they pray. They, they they know God's mind. They know. But how? 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 What about if I break her heart? What I hate is to see the tears of a woman. <laughs> Yeah. Better now than never. Better now. <laughs> One day, I went to Western Union. 
So one send me money from abroad. You have to go to. So I got there, and the man looked at my face and said, "Are you a pastor?" Because the forms, the, the person said, "I'm a pastor." When I said yes, the guy said, "Hmm." Hey, I, I, I was surprised. Hmm. And for a while, he, he wasn't talking. Meanwhile, there was a queue. So I was wondering what is really happening to this guy. He seemed depressed. Then he lifted up his eyes and said, Pastor, God has called me home. <laughs> <laughs> so God has called me. God has called me. But what to eat? What to eat? What to eat? If, if I respond, what to My family, my family, God has called me. God has called me. So he knew his will, but how to? No fat. He doesn't know God. No fats. God can take care of him. He doesn't know. So it is wanting to do his will. Another thing. So Jesus knew it, but he had the energy to freely. That's that will be your testimony in Jesus' name. Today we're talking about Bishop Oedipo when he was in Kaduna. He built a huge edifice. Where his ministry was, he crossed the road, there was a land, so he bought a land. Then he built a huge edifice. I mean, it's the same territory. He says the base was to take 8,000 people, even the base. Then the Lord told him, the day you cross to that church, your ministry is ended. Just opposite. It's not like you are in Beach Road and you've gone to Kwesimintim. That's all. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. God, 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 I've left the geographical territory of God's will. It's the same place. You know, he, he said he, he never even crossed to, that, to, to, to stand in the building again. They never even went there. Once after so many years. But not everyone will have the courage. And not everyone will have the courage. Ah, so we've invested all, especially if the church committee, they have a voice over the pastor. <laughs> so all the money we've spent in the building, what? You are saying we should leave it. <laughs> Praise God. But Jesus knew God's will and could perform it. Hallelujah. Let's see the second one. And his inwards and his legs shall be washed in water. So the first one was the head and the fat. Then the second one was the intestines called the inwards or the entrails, which was put together with the legs. But before they are bent, <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. Before they are bent, they are first washed in water. I'll talk about that, but let me talk about the bending first. So we have the intestines, the entrails, together with the legs, they are put in order. Can you imagine? Oh, all these things were there. You have to separate the intestines. The priest did well. Oh. Separating the intestines and moving them. <laughs> Seriously. So the intestines. Now the entrails, you know what it stands for? Amazingly, in the Bible, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, the word for kidney is the same word for mind. It's the same word for the mind. And in the New Testament, the word for abdomen 
is the same word for the mind. Now, the intestines represent Jesus' inward feelings, desires, passion, feelings, compassion, his thoughts, inclinations, motives. That's Jesus. They are connected. You see, your, your, your feelings are connected with your intestines. Your feelings. It will surprise you that now experts have told us that the top doctors in this world experts have told us that yeah what you're saying is true <laughs> when you have anger problems it affects your liver yeah, that's true. small small thing you're angry uh, very soon your liver will have problems <laughs> and those who have bitterness embittered unforgiveness gets degenerates into bitterness they have problems in their gallbladder yeah, God bladder. And those who are full of every day they are worried, worrying and anxiety. It affects their spleen. And it worrying anxiety actually breaks down the immune system. So you easily you are easily sick. Those who are most worried are mostly sick. <laughs> because their immune system breaks down. And those who are always afraid, everything they are afraid of everything. Cockroaches, <laughs> lizard. <laughs> in fact, one guy he was living in fear. One day he was running. We don't know when he was running from his own shadow. <laughs> he thought something was coming against him. Yeah, those who live in excessive fear, it affects their kidneys. Kidney, the kidneys. How about sadness and depression? It affects the lungs. Sadness has direct bearing on the lungs. Wow. The psalmist said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knoweth right well. Psalm 139, verse 14. Fearfully, the word wonderfully is the word for embroidery. Have you seen embroidery? Yeah. Everything is connected together. So he connects our intestines with our feelings and emotions and thinking. Everything is wired together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> together. So Jesus, we are talking about his intentions. Everything. But I realized that it had to be washed in water. Have you seen it? Please back. It had to, it had to be washed in water. But it was, it has to be put in order with the legs. With the legs. You know what it means. Legs speaks of outward movement. The intestine speaks of inward motivations or inward intentions. Now, there are some people, they have good intentions, but they don't have the action to carry the intention. They have good intentions. It's similar to the first one. They have good intentions, but they don't have the legs to carry out the intention. Yeah. So they are willing, but they are not able. And there are those who are able, but they are not willing. They have the legs, but no intestines. <laughs> Others are the intestines without the legs. So you can say that, oh, um, I 
think that I should devote um, one whole month to be praying for pastor. Yeah, pastor, I'm going to pray for you. It's very important we pray for pastor. Good intentions. Yeah. But how to carry it out is the problem. No legs. Uh-huh. No legs. So, good intentions. Good motives. Uh-huh. No legs. And they had to be washed in water. Water is a symbol of the word. Ephesians 5, verse 26. See, when it comes to Jesus, all his inward life and outward movement was full of the word. The word, that's Jesus. A lot of people won't go to speak to them, but they are ignoring the Bible. Now, let, let me ask you a question. If I write 10 letters to you, but you've not read them, so on your desk, 10 envelopes, you've not read them, but you, you are, you're waiting for a call from me. You, you want to hear my voice. You, you, you can't wait. You are anticipating a call to hear my voice. What does it mean? Remember, you've ignored the letters. Yeah. There are people who, who want God to speak to them. They want audible voice, still small voice, some, some way, somehow, some voice. Uh-huh. But they are neglecting the Bible. No. It's even risky for God to talk to you like that. Yeah. Because his voice has a code. And the code is encoded in the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. You have to learn to know how God speaks to you through the word. Hallelujah. You have good intentions. May God give you actions to your intentions. Yeah. To carry it out. Oh, I will do this. Oh, I wish. Oh, this. Oh, this. But Jesus was not like that. The next verse. No. Go back. Please go back. Uh-huh. So when this is done, when these things are done, please, are you tired? No. We are soaking. We are soaking. When this is done, the Bible says, look at it. By his inward and legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to, to be a burnt sacrifice. An offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now look at the word burn. So after, so the four are here, then he will have to burn it. Now we are coming to the message. He would have to burn it. Now, this, the word burn here. Now when you go further to chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 5, the sin often is also bent. The trespass often is also bent. You, the, the word burn is used for the sin offering. And the word burn is used for the bent offering. But there are two Greek words. Sorry, two Hebrew words. Uh-huh. This word burn here is the word kata. The same spelling as kata. But the sin offering is also bent. But it's, it's, it's the word seraph. Where we get the word seraphim. Uh-huh. So you see ben, ben, but they are different words. Because the burning of the sin offering is different from the burning of the bent offering. Uh-huh. The burning of the sin offering, the word kata actually means to burn like sweet perfume or like sweet incense. So the burning ascends to God. That's why it is called ascending offering. 
But with the sun offering, seraph means to burn in judgment. So with the offerings in those days, the burnt offering is burnt on the altar. But the sun offering is never burnt on the altar. You go outside the Jerusalem gate, you go outside the camp, and you burnt, you burnt the sun offering there. So one is burnt outside the camp, one is burnt on the altar. It surprises me how Christ can be both sin offering and burnt offering on the cross. Listen, as a sin offering, the father turned his back on his son. As a sin offering, the father couldn't look at sin. That is why it wasn't offered on the altar. Because God's eyes were on the altar. It had to be taken outside the camp. Because God couldn't see. God had to turn his back. And Jesus had to say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? So on the cross, the father rejected the son. He forsook him so that you'd be fully accepted. When he was forsaking him, it was you. You, you understand? Because he saw him as you. So he turned his back. But it amazes me. Only God can. How can God see as a burnt offering? The son was never pleasing to the father than when he was on the cross. Therefore doth my father love me because I laid down my life. There was not a time he was more pleasing to the, to the father than on the cross. I mean, he, he loves the, the son. But you see, on the cross, that is why he saw the travail of his soul and he was satisfied. So as a burnt offering, oh, he was satisfied. Oh, my son. But as a son offering, the father turned his back. Now, all were accomplished the same time. The same time. Two burning, two burnings. One burning in judgment, one burning for acceptance and for pleasure. It happened at the same time. Only God's eyes saw it on the cross. And the Bible says, for a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now, the burnt offering is sweet savor. The sin offering is not a sweet savor. Now, the word sweet savor, the word means sweet perfume, sweet aroma, sweet fragrance. Now listen, the word here actually means the savor of rest. That's a Hebrew. The savor of rest, the savor of satisfaction, the savor of delight, the savor of pleasure. Savor, aroma, perfume. So what happened was that when Jesus died, do you know that we, we can't really tell what happened on the cross, but the pictures in Leviticus tells us this is a photo album of what the Father did and what was happening when Jesus died on the cross. Because when these things were bent, you see, it was the Father now began to smell. It's, it's an ascending, ascending offering. So the Father smells the aroma. Oh. Now, the word savor of rest is satisfaction, pleasure, rest. Fragrance, perfume, ad adoring something, something pleasurable. So the father, oh, so now all of these things is bent. So the father is now, oh, he sees his son's motives, his son's, his son's knowledge of his will, his son's feelings and intentions, you see, his son's movement and action, everything about Jesus, his inward motives, his outward movement, everything about Jesus, his inclination nations, everything about Jesus, his perfections, his beauty, his devotion, his obedience, his, everything about Jesus rose up as an ascending offering. And the father, oh, 
older father now he was so satisfied by enjoying his son's righteousness and devotion it's called a sweet savor of rest the father rested he was full of pleasure ah. it's an ascending offering unto the lord so when jesus was on the cross the father had in all of eternity the day he enjoyed the most was the cross but the day he abhorred the most was also the cross <laughs> same time so as a sin offering the father turned his back but as a bent offering oh. but look at something so the father enjoyed the rest but now look at something remember hands were laid on the bent offering so whatever the bent offering is going through or will be was going to be in my account was going to be in the account of the offerer because the laying on of hands is identification you have become it you have become it so brethren all that the father enjoys is christ but the father now is enjoying it as you Ephesians 5 verse 2 Ephesians 5 verse 2 Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us Now the word for us in Greek is on our behalf and giving himself on our behalf an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor for us on our behalf so what was happening was on our behalf on our behalf, it was put into your account as yours. His acceptance was your acceptance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now, question. Do you know how God smells you today? Do you know how God smells you today? Second Corinthians 2 verse 14. And 15. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor, the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Verse 15. For we are unto God, a sweet savor of Christ. Stop there. Stop there. It's the same thing. For we are unto God, a sweet savor of Christ. We are unto God. Now I'm talking about now. Do you know what it means? Oh, I don't think you know what it means. Everything that is happening by the laying on of hands is into your in your account. By identification, it has become you. So now you have become the sweet savor of Christ. So whatever God smelled, he's smelling his beauty, his perfections, his devotion, all of it, his intentions, all the beauty of Christ, you have become it. You have become the sweet aroma of Christ. He smells you. That is why whenever you go to God in prayer, God is happy. Anytime you approach the Father, the Father is happy. You have no idea. Look, the Father enjoys your prayer life more than you. When you talk to Him, the Father enjoys you just talking to Him because... Let me, let, let, let me, let me show you something. One day, I was at the airport with my senior brother and prophetic them. 
as I was standing there, I was standing here, Prophet Edmund said, my senior brother, see, a lady came to pass by myself, my, pass by me. So the lady went there and stopped and turned back, instead of coming to me, and said, that perfume, that perfume, that perfume, that perfume, I know it, that perfume, I know it. She just came close to me, I know it, that perfume, that perfume, that perfume, and went back. We're, also, we're surprised. It's a shock. It's a shock. <laughs> ah. Then I remembered something. You know, Pastor Michael brought to me a hair perfume, a hair pomade called Morgan. It's yellow. Now, my father passed away in 2007. In all my life, that, that all the times I saw my father, that was the perfume he used. Every day. And since he died, I've never smelled that perfume before. So Pastor Michael brought me that perfume. The moment I smelled it, I sat on my bed. I was lost in consciousness. For all that time, I was thinking about my father. Then all the memories started playing back before me. Because I've never smelled it again in my life until he brought it to me. I sat down thinking about my, 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 my father, how he used to be and what he used to do until I came to myself. When now you are the aroma of Christ, when you approach the Father, all that the Father is thinking about is Jesus. <laughs> all that the Father is thinking about is Son, Jesus. The Father is now lost in consciousness. Forgive, for, forgive me for using that word. In consciousness, thinking about His Son's obedience, His Son's devotion, His Son's beauty, His Son's excellence, His Son's obedience, His Son's inward affections, inward motives, inclinations, motivation. He's not the Father. Because you, you are carrying that aroma whenever you approach the Father. Listen, when the high priest went into the holies of holies, you know what happened? Just before the holies of holies, there's the golden censer. There's a golden altar. That was the incense altar. So he takes the censer, put the incense in the censer, and the whole place is filled with incense. Now the priest, high priest, before he goes into the holies of holies, he goes in the midst of incense. Otherwise he would die. So he is full of incense, and he enters through the veil. So when he stands before, the, before God, he is not seen. He's in the midst of the incense. And that, that is the hope of his salvation. You know why? There are three components of the incense. Stacte, galbanum, onicha. All of these are the virtues of Christ. The excellencies of Christ. The perfections of Christ. So as he goes before the Father in the smoke, the high priest stands before, the, the, before God, and God is smelling his son. Mm, the beauties of his son. God is just smelling his son. That is what we have become today. Today we are to God a sweet aroma of Christ. So whenever you go to the Father, the Father, oh, 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 the Father is just, oh, it's about Jesus. The Father smells you, he's smelling not you, his son. Because all your smell is now his son. All your aroma is now his son. All your fragrance is now his son. Hallelujah. So, look, going to pray excites the Father. Because you are reminding God of his son. You are reminding God of his son's obedience. Because he smells you and God is so happy. And God is so full of joy. My, 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 my. What a delight to pray. <laughs> what a joy to pray. You know one thing? The first time smell was mentioned in the Bible. Genesis 27, 27. 
You know what happened? Jacob went to his father, Isaac. But you know what happened? He took on the skin of goat so that he would smell like his brother. So when he stood before his father, his voice was Jacob, but the smell was Esau. And you know why he blessed him? And he came now and kissed him and smelled the smell of his raiment. <laughs> and blessed him. And said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. When he smelled the smell, he blessed him. Why? He was blessing the younger with the blessing of the firstborn. Brethren, today we are the younger. Jesus is the firstborn. You see, he's the firstborn among many brethren. We are the many brethren. He's the firstborn. Now we go in his smell. And as a father smells us, he gives us the blessing of the firstborn. <laughs> we receive the blessing of the firstborn because he smells us with the smell of his son. You have the smell of his son. You have the smell of the firstborn. Therefore be bold. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. What a joy to pray. What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. If we don't realize these things on, on, on earth, we'll go to heaven and it's too late. Then we'll look back from heaven and go like, ah, 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 I missed it. Now there are those in heaven who wish, ah, they could have known these things on earth. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. Now Hamlet from tomorrow will be joyful in prayer. My. What a blessing. What a blessing. For this reason, you have to go boldly. Because he cannot wait. He cannot wait. He cannot wait. Hallelujah. Please sit down. Let me finish. Okay. All right. All right. So now... I'll end with the greats. There are three greats of the bent offering. Then I'll end. Because now it has come to the second grade. But I'll, from now, I'll not do verse by verse because of time. But I'll sum it together. Hallelujah. I, I want to use three people as illustration. Someone who is big, and someone who is medium, and someone who is short. To represent three greats of offerings. Someone who is huge, someone who is middle. No, you, you are too close. Oh, okay, okay. So, what do you think? <laughs> He's the oldest. Seventies. Wanna go? Thank you. Thank you. So now, this one will be the bull, oh, yeah. the bullock offering. This one will be the sheep, then the dove. <laughs> now, if his offering be of the flocks, so now we did the head. Now, this is the flocks. Namely, of the sheep or of the goat for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a meal without blemish. The next verse. 
He shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the priest. Now all the offerings were offered northward. So even on the altar, <laughs> you offer it towards the north. Can you imagine? You don't have to kill it eastward or southward. It should be northward on the altar. You know why? Hmm. The north is a symbol of evil. That's what Jeremiah 1, is it 14 to 16? Out of the north, evil shall break forth. All of Israel's enemies were from the north. Babylon was in the north. Assyria was from the north. Even today, Russia is in the north. <laughs> Check and see. The north wind, the north wind is very dangerous. It's biting and cold. But the south wind is warm. The north. So I realized that wherever there is north, problem, there's a problem there. Have you realized that? <laughs> north. North. Yeah. Source of evil. North. So Jesus, you know where Jesus died in Jerusalem? Calvary. Calvary is north of Jerusalem. It's amazing. North of Jerusalem. So Jesus died as, as the, where the source of evil is, that's where Christ died. So he died to terminate evil in your life. The source of evil, the very source, he died to cut off evil. I don't know which evil is tormenting your life, whether curses or whatever. The very place where there is evil, he died. By revelation, you can be free. But you see, thank you. I want everyone to fully see. In those days, if we're bringing your burnt offering, you were rich and wealthy, you bring of the head, you bring a bull. Middle income to so those who are wealthy, those who live at the beach road. <laughs> so the wealthy will bring the bullock. Then the middle income, the middle place, which place is that? Energy. <laughs> Energy day, right? <laughs> A new site. Okay. So the middle income will bring they'll bring the sheep. But the poorest <laughs> which area? Amafo. Amafo. Cosmetic is a poor. Cosmetic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, today, listen. It's amazing. My God is amazing. He reaches everyone at your own level. Reaches everyone. So he says that those who are wealthy offer this, the middle income offer this, and the poor offer the, the doves. Now, that's what's happening to us today. Today, those who are the wealthiest in Christ, they have a bull-sized revelation of Christ. Those who are in the middle, they have a sheep-sized revelation of Christ. And the poorest among us have a dove-sized revelation of Christ. To them, Christ is a dove. To them, Christ is a sheep. To them, Christ is a bull. 
Now, the grace of the offering has nothing to do with our acceptance before God. No matter the offering you bring, our acceptance before God is one. We are all the righteousness of God. There's nothing like you are more, you are 90% righteousness before God, and this one is 30% righteousness. No. Because with God, on the mercy seat, only one drop of blood, he, only one blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat, and that is enough for him. And all of these have blood. Just a sprinkle on the mercy seat is good for your atonement. So all this great has nothing to do with our acceptance before God. No. But it has everything to do with our enjoyment of Christ. Because as believers, our enjoyments are at different levels. We are, our joy levels is different. Our happiness level is different. Our peace level is different. So this speaks of the great of our enjoyment of Christ. Based on our appreciation, our revelation, appreciation, and apprehension of Christ and his finished work. So our enjoyment of Christ is based on the revelation, the appreciation, and the apprehension of Christ and his finished work. Hallelujah. So to this guy, he has a, this is a bull-sized revelation of Jesus' death. Sheep size, dove size. All right. Praise God. That's why even true, true wealth. You know what John said? I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul. Yeah. Look, you, you know when John wrote First John? <laughs> he wrote it after writing the book of Revelation. <laughs> yeah. He was arrested in Patmos, in a place called the Cave of Revelation. And and when Domitian died, he was released. He was there for five years. And came back to Ephesus. When he was back to Ephesus, that's when he wrote wrote the book. And all these years, he was grown, close to 100, actually. He says, I wish above all things. The word wish is not wish, it's it's the Greek word for prayer. So I pray above, not some things, all things that you will prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. So he spoke of threefold prosperity, that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in good health. That is physical. Even as thy soul prosper, that is spiritual. So he spoke of material prosperity, physical prosperity, and spiritual prosperity. Your soul prosper. So health is very important. That thou mayest prosper, financial is included. And be in good health, physical, even as thy soul. You know the prosperity of the soul? When the word of God gets into you, your soul prospers. When your soul is prospering, worry goes away. Worry is a, when worry goes, your soul is prospering. When fear goes, your soul is prospering. When depression goes, your soul is prospering. It's the prosperity of the soul. You are not weighed down by situations. Your mind is renewed by the word of God. There is no fear again. Yes. And when you are in that state, God can entrust you with wealth. All right. So, some of us here have a bull-sized revelation of Christ. Now, I'll give you about five or maybe six differences between them. And you know where you are in the faith. (laughs) There are three levels. John wrote to the little children, 
to the young men and to the fathers. <laughs> the little children. I'm not talking about physical children, spiritual children. The young men, John wrote the fathers. All right. Now, what is the difference between a bull, a sheep? The first difference is in size. The bull is bigger than the sheep. The sheep is bigger than the dove in size. All right. Those who are wealthy in Christ today, to them, Christ is a bull. Because a bull is a beast of burden. A bull is a beast of burden. It carries burdens. It carries burdens. You know, a bull is in a category, it's in the family of the ox. The Bible says the ox is strong to labor. The Bible also says that much increase is by the strength of the ox. So they see Christ as the ox or the bull who labored much for their increase. They see Christ as a bull. You see, Christ is a beast of burden. He bore their burden. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy burden. And the Greek says, and I will rest you. So to them, they see Christ as strong. Christ as the ox who labored in his death to bring them much increase. They see that Christ is strong, a beast of burden who carried all their burdens. He carried their financial burden. He carried their marital burden. He carried the, uh, what burden again? Job burden. Job burden. He carried their emotional burden. Relationship burden. Ministerial burden. What? Ministerial burden. Ministerial burden. Education burden. <laughs> what, what burden? Education. Educational burden. <laughs> 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 So, so Christ bought all the burdens. But you see, to this one, Christ is a sheep. He doesn't see, he doesn't see that Christ was strong to carry all those burdens for him. <laughs> because a sheep in the Bible stands for passive submission. So all that he sees about Jesus is that he's a sheep. Oh, Jesus is a wonderful man who came to the earth and he was submissive to the Father. And so obedient even unto death. And that's, that's what you see about Jesus. Oh, he, he, the man was very obe- obedient. But he doesn't have the revelation this guy has. He was not just obedient. He bore all my burdens. He was a burden bearer. But this guy has revelation of Jesus. But still, he's still carrying his troubles and his burdens. But this one has a dove-sized revelation. To him, Jesus is a dove. Amen. And a dove in the Bible, especially in Lamentation, stands for innocence and mourning. Mourning. So he sees Christ as the gentle son of God who came to mourn. All of his life, he was sorrowful. He came to die. He came to, I remember when I was in secondary school, you know, we were going for evangelism. And I met a man on the street, Cape Coast. About 80 years. I said, say, good, good afternoon. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. He said, ooh. <laughs> come, 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 come. So he called me to advise me. Just he just prayed. He started shaking his head. Ask Jesus, or <laughs> uh, he seemed to be in shock. And he said, oh, 
So all the beating, they beat him. All the suffering, they beat him, they beat him. One tea, no, son of a beauty. Yeah. So it will shock you that that's the revelation some people are carrying. So Jesus, you know, he just came to suffer and to, you know, they, do, they don't see his kinship, his, his kinliness, his authority. They, they don't see that. Even in his death, do you know that Jesus, eh? <laughs> he couldn't have died until sin had come on him. All the time they took stones. They took the stones, but they couldn't throw it. The Bible says, passing through the mist, not passing around. Passing through the mist. Now, the one you want to stone, he's just passing through your mist. And, and, and you can't stone him. You know why? Death could lay no claims on him because he had never sinned. Death had no right to lay claim on him because he had never sinned. It was not possible for him to die. Oh. The only way f- for him to die was to yield himself for son to be on him. That was when death could be possible for him. He didn't die gradually. Men die gradually. When they're on a cross, you know, when death is coming, 20%, 40%. You can see the person is gradually dying. And then it's gone. <laughs> no. The Bible says, Jesus, you know what he said? Father! Into your hands. I what? It's not command. The word in Greek is I command my spirit. The word is dismiss. Into your hands I dismiss my spirit. He himself gave himself to death. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) He himself. All right. So. We ma- where are you? Do you see Christ as a bull? That Christ is strong enough. Is, is Christ enough for you? Yeah. There are Christians who are still bedding, carrying their own burdens. Yeah. They are thinking, they are worrying, too many problems. Because no, you know why? They are seeing him as a dove. They are seeing him as a sheep. But they don't see him as strong enough to bear every burden of this. Christ is the beast of burden. I don't know which burden you are carrying. But Christ, is, it comes by revelation. If you have a bull-sized revelation of Christ, his increase, his labor brought you much increase. He labored for you. Therefore, every burden, he is the beast bearer. Carried all your burdens. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. Whether it is your home, it is your marriage, it is your family, it is finances, it is sicknesses, diseases, any kind of crisis. See him as the as the bedding bearer and walk free yes, number two the difference is in blood the bull and the sheep which has more blood the sheep and the dove which has more blood so we are talking about different quantities of blood hallelujah okay now the same verse let's cause one go to the last three verses all right, all right, all right, okay. Uh-huh. Now go down. The last three verses. And the priest shall bring it on the altar. This is the dove. And shall wring off its head and burn it on the altar. And the blood thereof shall be wrung out on the side of the altar. The next verse. Now let's start from verse 13. 
Verse 14, sorry. And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord be of fowls, he shall bring his fowl of tether doves of young pigeons. Quick. And the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring it, wring off its head and burn it on the altar. And the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. And he shall pluck away his crop with the feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. shall cleave its wings thereof, and shall not divide it asunder. The priest shall bend it upon the altar, and the wood that is upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so this is what happens. The one that offers the dove, if, if you saw it, the blood is so small, so it is poured on only one side of the altar. And they pour it at the south side, the small side of the altar. Because the blood is not enough to cover every side. But with the blood of the bull, when we read it first, the blood was covered around the altar. So now, the bull has a lot of blood. So the one who is worthy in Christ, who has a bull-sized revelation, he knows that the blood of Jesus satisfied all of God's claims of justice. But the one with a dove-sized revelation knows that the blood of Jesus only did one thing. So these are the people who say that, oh, the blood, it was poured on one side. So there's not south, east, and west. So only, only on one side. The south side and the rest of the sides are neglected. Hmm. So to them, Jesus died. And uh, one day, we met the pastor's daughter. And know what she told us? <laughs> she told us that... When you get born again, every believer has a bucket full size of the blood of Jesus given to his account. So when you sin and the blood cleanses it, you sin, it cleanses it. But remember, the bucket is getting finished gradually. <laughs> this is a very noble pastor's daughter. This is when the bucket gets finished, that is all. Yes. <laughs> The blood of Jesus is, is finished. <laughs> Can you imagine? Say, so where did you get this revelation from? Oh no, that's a daft size revelation because the blood is what? Finished. <laughs> On one side. So to them, there are those who say, oh, Jesus forgive us. Some believe that Jesus only forgave us our sins to the time we go, we get born again. So the day you are born, all your sins are forgiven to the day you get born again. Some believe that. If that is so, then I would prefer to give my life to Christ like a thief on the cross. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? Because at that time, when I'm just about to die, when you're, when you're about to die, you just confess Christ, then all your sins in the past is gone. Then you slip in. There's no power. <laughs> yeah. You slip in. Yeah. But the one with the bull's eyes, sees that the blood of Jesus are veiled everlastingly. 
it's created for all your sons since you were born to the time you see Jesus face to face. It is eternally efficacious. Not only that, but it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Do you know what that means? In whom we have, and that word have is not in the past though. It is used in the present indicative participle. And it's, it's, it's an active voice. In whom we are constantly, now the way, in whom we are constantly having redemption through his blood. And a redemption there is not like a, you know what it means? He's talking about redance. In Christ we have automatic redance. You know what it means? The, the psalmist said, God, the Lord shall redeem Israel from all his troubles. He shall deliver you from six troubles and you from seven. The redemption he has to do with you being in trouble or in danger or something happening and he bringing you out of the trouble. He rescues you from the trouble before it happens. So in him, we have automatic redance by his blood, through his blood. So what's happening is that it is constant. So the Greek says in whom we are presently and constantly have an automatic redance through his blood. So as you are moving, all the negative evils and troubles that are happening to you, accident the blood takes care of it robbery the blood takes care of it it's just happening automatically and who are those who believe this the bull's eyes because we see that the blood catered for everything (laughs) but this that size the blood is so small (laughs) hallelujah now the third the third the third now the third gives me a kind of with all the three grades it's only the bull that the offerer lay hands on it it's only we read remember we read that the offerer has to lay hands on it but go back go back to verse verse 9 the sheep hands are not laid on the sheep verse 10 Verse 10. If his offering be of the flock, namely of the sheep or of the goat, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a meal without blemish. 11. He shall kill it, no, no laying of hands. He shall kill it on the side of the altar, northward, before the Lord. There is killing, but there is no laying of hands. But with the bullock, there was laying on of hands before killing. Uh, and the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood run about. There's no laying on of hands. Let's not talk about the, <laughs> the <laughs> So, only those who are worthy in Christ, only the bull, those who are presenting the bull, lay hands on the bull. With the sheep size, there's no laying on of hands. With the dove, there's no laying of hands. You know what it means? hands are laid, you know what it means? That means that all the acceptance of the bull is my acceptance. So Christ's acceptance has become my acceptance because of identification. There are many believers who don't, those with sheep size revelation, they know all about Christ. They know about his death. There are many pastors having sheep size revelation of Christ. Christ they can talk about his death they can talk about his sufferings they can talk about all of these things and you are touched and you are weeping how Christ died for our sins and everything but 
But these guys, they know the same thing, but these people know that what he did, he did for me. Look, when Christ, when Christ was justified, it was my justification. When Christ was totally delivered and totally, when he conquered Satan, it was my victory. It was as though I conquered him. When he was free from sickness, it was my freedom. When Christ stood before the Father and he was fully accepted, it was my acceptance. That's my offering because of the laying on of hands. Whatever it is, it is it's now me. Today, how can I be rejected? If, if I can be rejected, then Christ can be rejected. Because Christ is my acceptance. <laughs> That's why he doesn't have to analyze me, examine me. He has to examine my offering. <laughs> so when the offering is accepted, I'm, accept, I'm, I'm accepted based on the laying on of hands. So that means in the whole church, only this group know that Christ is their righteousness. Because hands are laid for their favorable acceptance. The acceptance become the acceptance. Only few know that they are accepted in their beloved. Who are those who are worthy in Christ today? Those who know that Christ is their righteousness. Those who know that Christ is their acceptance. Those who know that whatever as he is, so are we in this world. Yeah, if Christ can be rejected, I can be rejected. His freedom is my freedom. His freedom from Satan is my freedom from, from Satan. His health has become my health. Everything was accomplished and put into my account through the identification, laying on of hands. His perfection is my perfection. How God sees him is how God sees me because I'm in Christ. Only few know. Only few. Only few know that when he was there, what, what was he going to do on the cross for himself? No. He went in my name. When he was suffering, it was as though I was suffering. It was in my name. So for God to punish me means he didn't recognize the suffering. It was me. It wasn't him. So that means it's few who know that. And the next one is this with the bull, the intestines and everything is, you see, the way they are laid on the altar. The same thing happens with the bull and the sheep, but not with this one. Now this one, there's, there's no intestines and there's no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this group, eh, they don't appreciate the inward life of Christ. When they read the Bible, they don't see it. And when you read the Bible, take time to see and appreciate his love, his compassion. Look at how he dealt with a woman caught in adultery. Someone said to me recently that ah, but two people, men, two people commit adultery. Why did they bring one? <laughs> Why did they bring one? Yeah. Now they didn't care for them all. They, they, it was Jesus. They came to, to catch him in his words. But look at how he deals with. Look at his compassion. Look at his love, his mercy. Those who have dark of revelation, when they read the Bible, they don't see all these things. They don't see his inward beauty. See it. Then another thing. The next one. This is the fourth. Or the fifth. With these ones, they themselves kill, they themselves kill the animal. 
So if you offer bull, you the offerer, you must kill it. If you offer the sheep, you the offerer, you must kill it. But if you offer dove, the priest kills it for you. Yes, the priest kills it for you. You don't do it yourself. It's by the priest. Can you imagine? So these know that their sons put Jesus on the cross. But this one, he doesn't even know. It's amazing, no? So there are people who are saved, they don't even know it's their son. So they say Jesus as a historical figure or something. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. But God is merciful. You know, when we, when we became, gave a life to Christ, there are many things we didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We didn't even understand the salvation. We didn't understand it. Yeah. Well, God has made salvation so available that we didn't understand. I mean, when you say by His grace, I didn't even understand by what it means by His grace. By His grace, all these technologies I never understood. So there are many like that. Yeah. I want to preach in a certain church. After that, one of the leaders walked to me and said, Pastor, I think that we are far from salvation. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was heartbroken. So we are far from salvation. Oh, and this is a very devoted person. Church, that's a dark size revelation. <laughs> and lastly, all of these are very. But this one, the priest, he doesn't just offer it; he has to crop it. The feathers, there are a lot of unworthy parts, dirty parts. He has to crop it. That means even the dove, there's a problem with it. You know why he has to crop and remove all the dirty parts? The, the one with the dove says Revelation has a lot of doctrines and a lot of perceptions about Christ, which is not true. <laughs> It's not true. <laughs> Aha. But the good news is that they are also saved. <laughs> but you see, they cannot please God as they have to, or walk with God in the realm and, and, and fulfill their part in this life because they are not seeing Christ. Now, all our maturity, maturity is not based on how much we do, but maturity is not based on how much you know. Maturity is based on how much you know Him, Jesus. Look. Our maturity is based on how much we know Jesus, our revelation of him. So you better have a bull-sized revelation of Jesus. Now, if you have that dove size after this meeting, migrate and graduate to sheep size. If you have sheep size revelation of Christ, you are preaching Christ all right. You are a pastor, but you are still bearing your burdens. <laughs> all those who are bearing their burdens, relationship, financial, all of you, you don't have a bull size revelation because you don't see Christ as strong enough to bear all your burdens. Hallelujah. But Jesus is my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. It's enough for me. It's enough for me. The sin offering, the dung of the of the animal is bent. It has dung. But the bent offering has no dung. Yeah. Christ has no dung of sin as the righteousness of God. It's perfect for us. It's perfect for us. So today God smells you. Look at how you are to God. Can you imagine that all of these things is about righteousness? But this is Leviticus 1. That's what it's a photo album. So that we can appreciate what Jesus did. 
Hallelujah. So see, when you when you are worshiping him, you can you can worship him with, with all of this knowledge, what he has done. What he has done. You can just love him. You can just love him. You are accepted in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God